The thrill and excitement of March Mania is here, and DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps, is giving new customers a shot to turn 5 bucks into $150 instantly in bonus bets with any college basketball bet. You can find all the lines and available odds, of course, at the DraftKings Sportsbook app. North Carolina listeners, don't forget, DraftKings Sportsbook is now live in your state. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SBNFL. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code SBNFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Draftmas to you. Thank you for joining us today. My name's Ken Swanson. This is the AP Draft Show. It's the first episode of the season. So excited to get draft-specific content out to you guys. Uh, it, it's 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 been a long time, but this is the this is the third season of this show, and uh, it's it's wild. This was actually my first podcast experience, and my first podcast experience happened with my friend sitting across from me right now. Find him on Twitter at Jacob Morley. Jake Stack, a very merry draftmas to you, my friend. Merry draftmas. <laughs> Some big big news happened in the world of uh, Kansas City sports too since we've <laughs> last spoken on this AP Draft podcast. It, it feels good. Does it, it feels good? Do the people know that? I'll say this off the mic. Do the people know that Brett Veach used our guide last year to draft <laughs> for the Chiefs? I don't know if they know that. Okay. But uh, speaking of the draft guys, a nice little intro. It's a nice little sneak in there. Um, it, the KC draft guide is available for presale. It's the championship edition because I can join my friend Jake Stack, who follows the Packers, as a fan of a world champion. I have not really got to experience this in my lifetime. Jake has. I was insanely jealous. I used to be insanely jealous of Aaron Rodgers. Now I'm not. Uh, because we got Patrick LeVon Mahomes. But anyways, the KC Draft Guide Championship Edition is now available. If you go to gum, or for pre-order, if you go to gum.co slash KC Draft Guide 2020, use the promo code LIV live to celebrate the Chiefs winning the Super Bowl. You can get the you can pre-order the draft guide for $8.54. Over 200 prospects, how they fit the Chiefs, just write-ups on all those guys. We're going to rank well over that. Uh, you're gonna get features. You're gonna get some championship edition features. We got so much stuff planned. I can't wait for you all to see it. We'll start teasing that stuff out. But draft season is upon us, my friend. Uh, so uh, we've got a lot of things to cover today. What we want to talk about today, and I'll, I'll just read this email because this is really what sparked it. We got this email a couple months ago from Andy from Pennsylvania. He said, "Look back, looking back at your 2019 draft grades." Who were your biggest misses and who were your biggest hits? Especially the ones that you guys were high on who were ignored by other draft analysts. And that's I think that's a great question. And we have no problem admitting our faults because that's the whole part of this process. The the best of the best, Jake, 
they have plenty of misses too. This is a tough gig, but I think it's good for us to be owning some of our hits and misses. Yeah, and I think it's important to note too that after one season, it's really hard to say who is a hit and who is a right. miss. So we're looking at this through the lens of who was good their rookie year that we really expected them to be good and who didn't live up to the billing that we maybe thought they would of their rookie season. You don't want, yeah, you don't want to make too many definitive statements about these guys, but early returns on these guys, the, the guys that, you know, have shown promise early, the guys who look rough or don't look on the right track. Like, I think we can, I think we have a pretty good idea about Breland Speaks now. <laughs> it's been two years removed. Uh, I think we have a pretty good idea about him. It's not looking good for his outlook as an NFL player. But let's talk about the hits and misses. Uh, we'll start here. And, and later in the show, you're going to hear from Matt Lane and Craig Stout. We're going to talk about their hits and misses too. But also what we're going to do today, we're going to talk about the crushes and the sleepers that we have early in the draft process. So let's start with hits, Jake. Who was your hit in the 2019 draft? Well, my biggest one, I guess, is someone that wasn't really ignored by other draft analysts, but he was drastically ignored by NFL teams, and that's DK Metcalf, who went 64th overall to the Seattle Seahawks. And, I mean, it was criminal watching him fall past the first round. He was in my top 10. I think he was was in our our top 10. He was in our draft guide's top 10. You'd have to understand the way we scale our points, but basically he had a 90 grade from me out of our 100-point system, which is is a really high grade. It's a solid first-round grade. And so the fact that he fell all the way to 64 to Seattle was, like I said, he was criminal. He basically did everything you thought he would do his rookie year. He, He had that unbelievable combine workout, but then his short... Uh, his agility stuff came out and people started to freak out about him because, you know, can he run a comeback? Can he run an in-breaking route? And like, of course he can turn the tape on, watch it. He could do all that stuff on tape. And then he just went to Seattle playing with Russell Wilson, one of the best quarterbacks in the league. And he basically, he did what you thought he'd do. He was a thousand yard rookie receiver. Almost. He had 58 catches for 900 yards during the regular season. And then he added on some into, he got into the thousand yard category, I believe with his playoffs. Cause I think he had the best rookie receiver performance or one of the best. 200 yards. It was wild. Yeah. Seven touchdowns too for him. And you know, as fans of playoff football teams, can't we, we do count (laughs) that. We count the playoffs. Yes, we do. Because Um, uh, like Frank Clark had 13 sacks this year. Yeah. Yes. Of course he did. Because he had five in the playoffs including one in the Super Bowl. It's not his fault he got more opportunities. Exactly. No, we apologize for nothing. That's right. No, so yeah, DK Metcalf is was a hit for me and I think really a hit for the the draft Twitter community because yeah. there wasn't a lot of people that you know, when he was falling, that was Twitter was kind of exploding. He was the guy that all 32 teams were kind of like chirping for on day 2 of the draft and kind of thinking, why in the world is this guy falling? And sometimes the NFL can overthink guys, and I think that's what they do with DK Metcalf. And I think he's got a super bright future. Um, he's going to play in that offense with a really good distributor of the ball. So DK Metcalf is a hit for me and a hit for the draft community on Twitter in general. Shout out the draft community. Shout out draft Twitter. Uh, a hit for me, and I, I think for all of us too, is Juan Thornhill. We'll just keep it local. Uh, that was a guy that we had in the top 40 of our draft guide. Uh, I think I speak for Maddie and Craig too when I say like if the Chiefs had taken Juan Thornhill, if they had picked 29 and taken Juan Thornhill, I would have been thrilled. I would have been totally happy with that. That would have been a great fit. Um, and I think the Chiefs got a first round caliber player in the second round at the end of the second round. He wound up having a really solid uh, rookie season and he got better and better as the season went on. And I think we're just kind of scratching the surface with him. If you listen, you know, if you on Twitter, um, 
some people were uh, some some of the some of his teammates when he got hint injured were calling him Young Five. And what that is, Jake, is that's a call to Tyron Matthews' nickname. They call him Five around the building. They were calling him Young Five. Like the the opinion of Juan Thornhill in that room in that in that group is extremely high, and and with good reason. He's he's got man coverage ability. I think he can play in the box a little bit if you need him. He can play out in the slot. He can play deep. He's got range. He's got ball skills. He showed you everything that you want to see. And I think he was tremendous value in the back end of, of round two. And I think the Chiefs got one of the 25 best players in that draft last year. Uh, okay, let's go ahead and let's go let's go ahead and catch some L's here, Jake. Mm. It's uh it's time it's time to talk about some misses that we have early on. Obviously, it's still early. But early misses. I'm looking for, at yours right now, and if you just would have listened to me last year, this wouldn't be a miss. <laughs> but let's talk about let's talk about misses here. Let's go. What, who who's your miss this year? So my biggest miss, which is actually kind of awesome, because he plays for the Vikings and they can suck it, <laughs> um, is Garrett Bradbury, the center from NC State. He's a guy that you always try to learn from your misses. And looking back on him, he's a guy that I I really fell in love with his athleticism. Um, I really fell in love with the way he looked at the Senior Bowl um, and the way he was able to get to second-level blocks and just his movement ability in general was and is still really good. And Garrett Bradbury got better as the season went on, but his first six weeks were so bad. Yeah. And what, what showed up in those six weeks was exactly what showed up on tape was the fear, what everyone was worried about. His inability to anchor, his functional strength, it just it isn't there. And the thing with offensive linemen is if you don't have a good baseline for that, uh, that's kind of what I'm trying to take from that uh, with these guys. If you don't have a good baseline of functional strength, I don't know how much stronger those guys actually get right. once they're in the NFL. I mean, these T1 programs, it's not like they have idiots teaching <laughs> them how to you know get stronger and grow grow mass and stuff. So uh, Garrett Bradbury, I, I think he could still be a good player, but I don't think he's going to be necessarily – you know, an all-pro type center like I thought he had the potential to be coming out uh, last year. We wound up going 18, and mm-hmm. one of the things that we're kind of already carrying over is we're looking at a guy like Nick Harris from Washington who is showing some of the some of the great movement skills and abilities that Garrett Bradbury had last year, but his anchor is being exposed. It was exposed pretty pretty obviously in, um, in the Senior Bowl. And the two guys that I... The, the the three centers in last year's class were Bradbury, Eric McCoy from Texas from Texas and Elton Jenkins from uh, Mississippi State. You know Jenkins played guard for the Packers this year, and they were all kind of in that same bubble. But Bradbury was above them because he was just that. They were all good athletes, but Bradbury is is a freak. I mean, he really is. Um, But those two other guys had the functional strength, and they had that ability, and they both had really good rookie years. They both had bubbles, too. That's a callback to to season one. They had good bubbles. Uh, My miss so far looking at 2019 is Hakeem Butler from Iowa State. Uh, He was a guy that three of us in the draft guy were pretty high on. I know Jake wasn't as high on him. Uh, he he's a big receiver. He's you know six five, two hundred and twenty five pounds, two hundred thirty pounds, and he tested through the roof. He had an outstanding testing, and that's really what was what gave me confidence in him because you know the production matched it. There was a lot of production there, and then there was a really good athletic profile. But I think what you saw is the athletic profile didn't translate the way you were hoping it would, 
and I, he's he's got a long ways to go. He wound up getting hurt early yeah, in the in year. In his defense, he hasn't played a snap in the NFL. But thing, <laughs> things weren't looking particularly no, great weren't. for him before then. And he was getting really pushed down the depth chart. They were having issues with him as it was. And Keyshawn Johnson, a sixth-round pick, had kind of replaced Who him. Who I liked. Who you did like. Uh, had replaced him as a guy that was getting a lot of looks and getting more opportunities. So, um, Hakeem Butler, I think I think you start not just there, but like the fact that I mean, the NFL thought he was a fourth-round pick. Yeah. I mean, we did not think he was a fourth-round pick. We had him going in day two. I think there's something to be said and something to learn from that, too. And I think the – and even with DK Metcalf, you can look at him and say he's a bigger receiver that the NFL has questions about his ability to separate. And Hakeem Butler did test well, but he tested well for his size, you know, and which is great. But when you – it went, separation is king in the NFL. Absolutely, um, and, and I think with big receivers, they're just at a disadvantage right now. Yeah, no, they, it's kind of trending that way. Expect, I mean, the Chiefs are at the forefront of that. You know, with their Michael Hardmans and their Tyree Kills of these guys, these little, you know, not little, but these guys that can separate, that can just make explosive plays happen anytime right. they touch the ball. Right. Um, people want that right now, and it's kind of the flavor of the week. So it, take caution when you're looking at some of these big receivers mm-hmm. in this year's draft class too. When you're, you know, like your Michael Pittman's, who I really like this year, uh, big guy. Is is he going to be able to test well? Is he going to be able to separate at the NFL level? A lot of people have him as like a top 100, top 75 type player. But could he be the guy that's sitting there around four or five this year? Yeah, I think I, that would be a good, there's good a, indicator. There's a lot of guys like that this year, which is I think is going to be interesting, and it's really difficult for me as we start to continue to kind of un- unwrap uh, and look deeper into these these players. Is there is a lot of big receivers and a lot of big prototypes like that that we're going to have to sift through, and we're going to have to be really intentional about that because guys like you know like Hakeem Butler, and I think the NFL has largely kind of devalued these guys in general. I think about Alan Lazard two years ago. He's a big guy. He's found a way to have some success now. And he was a guy we were all really high on in, in two years ago. He went undrafted. Yep. And, I mean, he's finally finding success now. So some of the things that we liked are translating. But it's, it's, a, it's a more difficult evaluation with those bigger guys. Okay, let's jump into some crushes. Because this is the first time we're getting to talk to you guys just about a draft, just about the draft. Let's go with crushes, Jake. Who is your early crush right now in February? Uh, so last year, I fall in love with these tight ends, and <laughs> I yes, fi- you do. I found a new Jay Sternberger. If you if you paid attention last year, I love Jay Sternberger coming out of Texas A and M. He ended up with my Packers. My pants may or may not have come off when that pick happened. <laughs> I don't have video of that. He didn't really do jack squat this year until the end of the year. He he really came on strong, and people are really excited about him in Green Bay. But my crush this year is a guy that's very similar in play style to him, and that is Bryson Hopkins, the tight end out of Purdue. He is a guy that, honestly, as much as I liked Sternberger last year, Hopkins is more of a twitchy, athletic type dude. Um, he's got great speed. He's just so smooth out the line of scrimmage. Um, he actually fights through contact pretty well. What I like about guys like that is I love their ability to like snap their route off and you know snap their head around and get back to the quarterback. Um, I think he's got great hips. I think he's sudden. I think he's a guy, and especially with those big guys, I love watching them not only go up to get a ball because you you expect those guys that are bigger to be able to do that but like with Hopkins and Sternberger those are two guys that I really thought did a nice job of being able to adjust to to poor balls especially balls that are low that's really where I think you can tell a lot about these guys NFL athleticism is when the ball is kind of low and in the dirt how do they adjust to it 
Um, and Hopkins is a guy that his, his catch radius is huge, and it's not just a go up and get it type catch radius guy. He's um, he's a guy that will bring in a lot of stuff. He does have some drops, um, but he's still he's that he's that nightmare up the seam. He's a guy that can absolutely give defenses a hard time. He's a matchup problem. And I know Chiefs fans, you guys are spoiled. You really are. Yeah. You don't understand. I don't. No think, lie. I, you guys do, but we get it. How. <laughs> how important a tight end can be. I mean, going from Tony Gonzalez essentially to Tyree, or uh, Travis uh, Kelsey. Travis Kelsey. I said Tyree Kill. Tight end Tyree Kill. <laughs> that would have been, uh, been a little slight uh, tight end. But yeah, so that, it's just, it's <laughs> such a matchup problem. I remember, you know, teams, when they're, and it's almost one of those things, it's like, who do you stop first in the Chiefs offense? Do you stop Hill or do you stop Kelsey? I mean, honestly, I would probably try to take Kelsey away because I think that's more difficult. It varies, but yeah, I mean, a lot of teams um, do try to take away Kelsey. But it's just such it's such an issue. And so I, I'm kind of partial towards getting those weapons, and I think it's tough to get one. I mean, you're looking at Kelsey and Kittle. Uh, pick. I, I don't care. You can you you will be you can argue whoever is better. I don't care. I would take either of them. Um, and they're by far and away the best two tight ends in the league. They and they both were in the Super Bowl. Tom Brady was playing his best when Rob Gronkowski was a beast. I mean, um, there's something to be said there about having a dominant tight end. So I think yeah. if you can find one of those guys. And they're um, tough to find. Yeah. Oh, yeah. They're it, tough to find. And Hopkins isn't that guy because he's not as big as those guys. He's yeah. probably, I think he measured in at 6'3 and a quarter, um, 240, almost 250. He's in the 240s, yeah. So he's not a huge guy, but he's more of your move tight end that can be efficient and effective on like uh, like trap blocks. Uh, you probably don't want him head on blocking anyone. He's not that guy. Um, but he can be he can be efficient. And Sternberger last year, the big knock on him was he can't block. And honestly, that was the best thing he did his rookie year. So you never really know with these tight ends what they were asked to do in college and what they're going to be able to do. Dallas Goddard is another example yeah. of that. Dude did not block at all at South Dakota State, and he's he's a very good blocker in the NFL in year going into year three now. It's a tough position to evaluate, and it's a tough position to project. Uh, my guy, my crush right now is Jeff Gladney, the quarterback from from TCU. Um, I don't know. You, you might have heard me if you've listened to the to the AP Lab a little bit. I've probably talked about Gladney a few times, but he's my favorite cornerback in this class. I think at this point, and he's got elite feet. He's not. He's about five eleven, six foot, one hundred eighty five pounds. I'm gonna be really curious to see what he measures in and weighs in at at the combine. But elite feet. Uh, a very competitive player. He's not quite Jair Alexander levels of com- com- competitive. I was just gonna say he's like junior Jair. He's he's got some he's got some, some he's got some Jair to him, uh, but he's a feisty player. He plays with excellent feet, good ball skills. He's actually surprisingly physical at the line of scrimmage for a guy that is as small as he is. But uh, I think his movement skills are great. I think you can play him in press, but I don't think that's where you want to play him primarily. I think you can play him in off. Um, and I think he's got good ball skills, willing tackler. He's a guy that would fit Steve Spagnuolo's p- profile from a willingness perspective to be physical uh, and, and play in the run game. He's a freak athlete too. I mean, he's going to test through the roof. He's he's. I think he I, he might have made uh, the freak list this year from um, what's his name, uh, Stuart Mandel. Is it Stuart uh, Mandel? I can't. Feldman. Feldman. Bruce Feldman. I think he might have made the freak list that year too. Okay, let's go ahead and go and, and honestly, real quick, actually, Jeff Gladney is a definite candidate for the Chiefs in the first round. Uh, undoubtedly, a guy that the Chiefs could wind up taking in the first round, and I would be obviously thrilled if that were to happen because I think he's a really solid corner. He's got it early on right now. He's got a very big grade for us in the KC draft guide. Uh, I believe he's in the top twenty. Uh, sleepers, Jake, who you got on the sleepers? So 
so I'm doing the receivers this year, right? And there's a million of them. There's if you need a receiver, this is the year to get one whenever you want. But a guy that I haven't really heard being talked about a lot, but I, I like him quite a bit. I think I have a let's see, yeah. So I have I have a fourth round grade on him. Um, but he's a guy that might even go later just because of how deep this class is, and that's John Hightower. He's a receiver out of Boise State, and he's a taller guy. He's He's got some length, um, but he's fast. He's he's a collegiate athlete. He was in the junior college um, track and field wow. championships. He was a 400-meter hurdles runner, so he's Whoa. a psychopath um, <laughs> as well. But, yeah, so he's a, he, and he's twitchy. I, li- I like how twitchy he is for his length. He's kind of a long strider, but at the top of his routes, he actually gets in and out of his breaks pretty good for a guy that's that's as lanky as him. And he's a guy that I think could come in right away and just be a deep threat. Could you come out, you know, kind of be your home run hitter immediately as he develops in other ways? Because you watch him at Boise State, and that's all he really does. And he's the type of guy that will get a 12 to 15 yard cushion and make it make the other guy look like he's playing in quicksand. I mean, it, it, it should not happen. It just shouldn't happen at any level of football. And he's the type of guy that can make that happen. Tracks the ball super well from um, uh, the especially the deep ball. Uh, he's good with the ball in his hands. They would they would use him on jet sweeps and jet motions as well. So he's the type of guy that I think anytime he goes in motion, he's the type of guy that has to be respected, and he can kind of uh, kind of make those linebackers creep up a little bit. Um, so he he's the type of guy that's a lot of fun. And you want to talk about you know especially like the Chiefs needing to potentially replace Sammy Watkins yeah. in that outside receiver. He's a guy that can play on the outside. Maybe not this year. He's a guy that you can rely on. Um, but Mecole last year didn't run routes right. and he was a super productive rookie receiver so you Found can never production in a lot of different ways <laughs> yeah so you can never really count out Andy right. Reid and what he's doing with Patrick Mahomes sure. so he's a guy that could come in I think in an offense like that could be a lot of fun as your fourth or fifth receiver in his rookie year yeah it signed me up uh my guy is Antonio Gibson the running back from Memphis uh we got to see him a little bit at the senior bowl uh, he's very interesting case because he's a guy that lined up in the running at running back. He lined up at receiver some. There was one game where I he had almost 400 yards of all-purpose yards. He had a touchdown, a kickoff return for a touchdown. He had a long touchdown run, and he had a long touchdown catch. And he's a very interesting player. He's bigger. He's like 6'2", 225 pounds. So he's a well-built guy. And I don't think the NFL really knows what to do with him from a positional standpoint. Uh, he got looks at running back at the Senior Bowl. He's, I think he's testing as a wide receiver this week uh, at the combine or next week at the combine. So he's kind of an interesting guy. That I don't think people have a really good idea what to do with him. But I saw some traits that I think could really translate well out of the backfield as a running back. And he's got you know uh, above average route running abilities because he would be as a running back at least because he's got the experience as a receiver. But he's not a great route runner as a receiver so he's kind of in a weird spot where he's a great athlete he's got the production he's got the physical ability he's got he's got he's got physical nature to his game he's he's got um some yards after the catch ability i think he has decent vision as a runner and as a running back so he's a he's kind of a he's a he's an offensive weapon that you got to figure out how to utilize and you can get him in your in your special teams from a day three perspective i think he could be a really interesting value for the chiefs uh get him involved put him in the running back room a little change of pace, a core, a core special teamer, and some route running and receiving ability. I think he'd be a lot of fun in this group, and he's an explosive player. He's a lot of fun. We're going to take a break, and we will be back with Matt and Craig right after this. Support for this show comes from Atlassian. Atlassian software like Jira, Confluence, and Loom 
help power global collaboration for all teams so they can accomplish everything that's impossible alone. Because individually, we're great, but together, we're so much better. That's why millions of teams around the world, including 75% of the Fortune 500, trust Atlassian Software for everything from space exploration and green energy to delivering pizzas and podcasts. Whether you're a team of two, 200 or 2 million, or whether your team is around the corner or on another continent altogether, Atlassian Software is built to help keep you all on the same page from start to finish. That way, every one of your teams, from engineering and IT to marketing, HR and legal, can stay connected and move together as one towards shared company-wide goals. Learn how to unleash the potential of your team at Atlassian.com. That's A-T-L-A-S-S-I-A-N.com. Atlassian. Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. And we're back. Well, I'm back. Uh, Jake had to leave. Uh, Unfortunately, he had to bounce, step out. But I am still here with my good pals. Let's just do the normal thing. First, find him on Twitter at Chief in Carolina. Matthew Lane, hello. The rest of this podcast is reserved for world champions only. I'm sorry, Jake. Maybe in a couple years, like 20, when Patrick Mahomes retires, you can rejoin us. I'm, I'm not sure what else we're supposed to do about that. But also with us, our good buddy, Craig Stout. Find him on Twitter at BarleyHop. I just can't believe that they're going to be able to replace Aaron Rodgers with another Hall of Fame quarterback. It's just unfortunate that Patrick Mahomes is going to rule the league for another 20 years and they won't be able to win a bunch of Super Bowls on the way. You hate to see it. You hate Uh, to see it. A very merry draft, Miss, to both of you, obviously. We're all very excited about the draft. It's just us three for the second half of the show, like I mentioned. I've been on draft, Miss, for like three months now. Yeah, let's just be honestly, we all have. I mean, if you look at the spreadsheets, they started like October. Um, But we're going through the hits, the misses, the crushes, and the sleepers. I want to hear from both of you guys on all four of these, uh, all four of these topics. So let's start with the hits. Maddie, who is your hit from 2019? So one guy that I was probably very over the top about and I made sure everybody knew was Sean Murphy Bunting, cornerback. I was very high on him. I tried to tell everybody about him. He was a little raw, but he had all the physical traits to get better. He was better every year. He played quarterback in college. He was freakishly athletic, very physical at the line of scrimmage. He did an amazing job making wide receivers work to get open and had all the ability to stay in phase. I had a probably, I think it was a late second round grade on him. And as a whole, we were still higher than a lot of people with, I believe he settled out to be a third rounder for us. Well, 
Come to find out, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers were higher than all of us. They took them 39th overall. But the reason we're still calling this one a hit is just because most people didn't have them that high. Like for most people, Sean Bunting was a fringe top 10 corner. And here we are. And then the Tampa Bay Bucks are there thinking that he's the second round caliber pick. Think he's going to be a good pro player. It didn't even take him a full year for a raw cornerback. He came into the NFL and probably had the best full season from start to finish out of any of the cornerbacks. That athleticism was evident from the very first game. His technique was catching on relatively quickly. He went to a good system that allowed him to play a lot of man coverage, which is where he was at his best. But I felt very good watching him play because everything you saw in college, the physicality, the length, the athleticism showed up week in and week out for the Buccaneers. All right, Gregory. Let's hear who your hit was. My hit was a guy that we got to very late in the process. Uh, as you know, or as you may or may not know, we split some some uh, position groupings up. Edge is one of them. Interior offensive line is one of them. And safety is another. And Kari Willis was a guy we saw at the Senior Bowl that had kind of slipped through the crafts cracks a little bit and I got to him very late in the process and when I got done watching him I told these guys I need somebody to check me on this because right now I have Kari Willis as a top 100 guy and I'm not seeing anybody drafting him as a top 100 guy like everybody thinks he's a round five dude but I just loved his football intelligence I loved his you know the ability to translate to the next level reading things in front of him as a safety and then his ability to come forward play in the box be a sound tackler like I liked a lot of things about him but a lot of people didn't and so I thought maybe I was missing something a little bit ask these guys to get to him and we didn't have time so, Kari Willis went in there as a top 100 pick and was drafted 109 by the Colts and started nine games and completely changed their defense. Yeah. After Malik Coker went out, he stepped in and was a force for that defense. He looked good, and it was because he had the mental aptitude. He had the ability to do everything that he needed to do. He's not the top-tier athlete that you know a lot of these guys get drafted for, but his mental side more than made up for it. So, I, I I took that one because I that's what we saw. That's what the Colts obviously saw. And that's why they were able to trust him to get on the field as a rookie and play as much as he did. All right. Time for the fun stuff. <laughs> Mrs. Who we who we catching L's on, Maddie? So one of my big ones was Max Crosby. And I know we had some listeners that were big fans, tried to tell me, ask me about him all the time, point me towards him. Hold on. Shout out to Molly Salt. I believe Molly Salt was one of the guys that was very in on Max Crosby, if I remember correctly. So I go and watch him. I'm underwhelmed. I still give him a late fourth round grade, especially when you factor in his athletic testing from the combine, which did really boost him up. And lo and behold, the Raiders did draft him in the fourth round, just albeit early in the fourth round. He went on to have an amazing season for them. I do think some of his production numbers were a little slanted just because he was very opportunistic. But still, he's a day three pick that led rookies in sacks or rookie defensive ends in sacks. He was all over the field for them, got a ton of playing time. You can make an easy case that he well outplayed their fourth overall pick in Cleveland Farrell. And when I watched him on film, I just saw a guy that I didn't think played very athletic he was relatively skinny and didn't have a lot of power, and I didn't think he was athletic enough to win just with pure speed on the outside. So I was just kind of lost as what to do with him. And I hope he keeps putting – well, 
He plays for the Raiders, so I don't hope he keeps putting it together. But for his sake, if he can keep playing like he did, that'll be great path, career path trajectory for him because he's only going to continue to fill out coming from a smaller school. He's only going to get stronger. I just had so many doubts with a long, wiry frame on a guy that didn't wasn't overly flexible or explosive. Then he goes to the combine and blew it up, and his his whole career stock has only taken off since last year at Indianapolis. I mean, he's he's ultra productive already. And, oh my I mean, goodness! Yes, he, he exceeded. I mean, he exceeded the he exceeded the Raiders' expectations very obviously because if they thought he was going to do this, he he would have been drafted a lot earlier. He might have been drafted where Josh Jacobs went. But right, the value wasn't incredibly far off that you know we put on him for the whole draft guide. Just the big thing was nobody, including the Raiders, thought he was going to be as good as he was or as productive as he was. And even watching him versus the Chiefs, he had some good plays, and I still can't put my finger on where it's coming from because I still see some of the same issues. He just has that athleticism pops from time to time. Yeah. He seems to be a relatively high IQ player that makes the plays when they need him to make plays. Uh, Craig's miss is going to hit a little bit close to home here. <laughs> Back uh, January before last year's draft, I posted a picture of Mark Fields, the Clemson corner, and I said, y'all are sleeping on Mark Fields. <laughs> All the man did was come in in the second half of the national championship game and lock up some top tier receivers replacing Trayvon Mullen. I thought Mark Fields had the highest ceiling of a lot of the guys that they drafted in this class. And there were some high ceilings. We ranted and raved about Mark Fields all offseason. We thought he was a great lottery ticket. Thought he was a great lottery ticket. He was a UDFA for the Chiefs. And we knew it was because of some of the character side of things, that he didn't get along with some of the coaching staffs. People didn't speak very highly of him. He was a little small, everything like that. But his raw talent, his footwork, everything like that sold me on him. I had a high fourth round grade on him because limited tape, he looked fantastic out there. As it turns out, all of those character concerns were real. 100% of them were real. He ended up getting traded after getting absolutely dominantly torched in the fourth preseason game for the Chiefs this past year. Just absolutely awful. And yeah, big, big old miss by me. Fell in love with a guy with character concerns. That's what we get. Yeah, you gotta you gotta keep an eye on those things. He's a giant knucklehead. <laughs> giant, <laughs> he's still, giant knucklehead. He's still a giant knucklehead, if I remember yeah. correctly. Uh, yeah. I think he might be on the practice squad with the Vikings, but his career is not um, not looking so hot right now. Okay, probably the funnest one. Through we're we're already into February, but early on, draft crush, Maddie. Who you got? So I've already talked about him a little bit, and this is going to be, I just really wanted to pair him with the Sean Murphy bunting talking about the hit because Cameron Dantzler is my Sean Murphy bunting of this year. From Mississippi State. From Mississippi State, cornerback from Mississippi State. We'll see what he actually comes in at, but he's probably going to be 6'2", 190, 185, 190 pounds. He's got a relatively skinny frame, and that's where the weaknesses end. He's obviously going to get better, technically speaking, but if you're going to poke any major holes in Cameron Dantzler's game, it's that he has a frail-looking frame, and that doesn't matter. He's one of the better tackling, one of the more physical corners in this class. Like Sean Murphy Bunting, he's a freak athlete that it shows up all over the film. He's got long speed, change of direction. He plays physical, uses the line or the sideline very well. Unlike Murphy Bunting, 
I do believe he's already a little bit closer to ready to play in the NFL. He's got a good feel for zone. He's only played zone coverage one year of football, and that was his last year at Mississippi State. And while he's not great in it, he's good enough. You can see him processing plays in front of him. He has the click and close speed to shut everything down. He has great ball skills. This is a guy that I do think is ready on day one with that same kind of upside that you heard me talk about last year with a couple of different guys. But I just really wanted to use one of my bigger draft crushes this first week on another corner that reminds me a little bit of Sean Murphy bunting because they share some of that same athleticism and physical play off the line of scrimmage. I would be surprised if he doesn't rise up boards after the combine too. I think he's going to have a really good week at the combine. I think people are going to start talking about him in that first round. Uh, the Chiefs might have mm-hmm. to take him in round one if they want to select we- him. Oh, they we absolutely keep, will. We keep getting mock drafts from people where Cameron Dantzler is available at 63. Yeah, enjoy, those mo- enjoy those mock drafts for now. I think after the combine with the yeah. way he tests and the interviews that he does and the way people talk about him coming out of the combine, he's just going to shoot right up draft boards. Cam Dantzler very easily could have been, I think all three of us is draft crush. At least, yeah. me, and, at least me and Maddie's. But like, I, I think we all are kind of lockstep on him and he's a lot of fun and he's try to find try to find him on like youtube or something if you can he's he's an entertaining player all right craig give us give us your draft crush (sighs) i gotta take a guy that kent and matt aren't as high on but i absolutely love him he's my linebacker one kenneth murray out of oklahoma 6'2 240 pounds and a ridiculous athlete now he is not technically refined. He has a lot of awareness that he needs to add to his game. He's got coverage ability that he needs to add to his game. But he has the athletic ability to do a lot of the things that Steve Spagnuolo wants his linebackers to do. And he weighs 240 pounds. I, I think we've seen that Spagnola would prefer to put a heavier set of linebackers on the field that can defend the run than trying to put, you know, lighter guys on the field to play the pass. Now, whether or not you think that's a backwards ideal is, you know, Super Bowl champions. I know. Super right. Exactly. Super Bowl champions. They can throw out three Reggie Raglins if they keep getting rings. I don't care. I mean, they practically did. <laughs> they they basically practically did. <laughs> yeah. Kenneth Murray infuses this linebacking core with a lot of athleticism. Even if he's trying to just stop the run, Steve Spagnuolo, that is, just trying to stop the run, you have a true sideline-to-sideline range guy. He is fantastic outside the tackle box. He's good inside as well. Long, long arms to be able to scrape over the top and shed blocks. He is a fantastic athlete that he's only going to get better. Oklahoma hasn't exactly churned out a bunch of linebackers that are fantastic players to the NFL lately. So he's going to get better with some coaching. I feel like Matt House is going to be able to translate the game a lot better for him. I Add him to the group. Know that you're going to take some lumps in the processing, but he's going to be able to make up for it because he's a crazy athlete. And he's got good football character. He wants to learn as well, and he doesn't shut it down. High energy, high motor. I just love just practically everything about his game. Hence, he's one of your crushes. Matt, do you have? Do you want I to throw something? Like, in? Yeah. yeah, I did. I don't like how Craig paints me as this Kenneth Murray <laughs> hater, just because I question his ability to cover. Because he was never asked to do it until he played LSU, 
And then he may as well just put his feet in the ground and not moved on every single passing rep just because he simply doesn't know what he's supposed to do. Like, you can see it. It's not that he's bad in coverage. He just has no concept for a feel, the width he's supposed to be dropping, the depth. Like, he's not sure what to be doing in coverage as of right now. Obviously, some will get better. I do question the overall upside as a coverage linebacker, but... Like Craig said, he's an elite athlete and he can cover ground. So he's already good in space. You can get by. You can more than get by with an elite athlete that's good in space and coverage, is, even if he doesn't have the best, you know, zone feel going on. I, um, and I'm not, I don't want to be labeled as a hater either. Um, <laughs> I mean, you guys I just, are taking the fun out of this. If I label I just, you haters, it makes it seem like we fight about things. No, but we've also like collectively mocked Kenneth Murray round one to the Chiefs. Yes, yeah, so true. it's like really hard to to balance that line. <laughs> I have I just I have coverage questions about him. I wanted to position Kent as the hater too, okay, Craig. Don't yeah. worry. I, <laughs> I'm the I'm the least high on Ken Murray uh, between the three of us. And you uh, and I think you would still gladly take him at thirty. Probably, yeah, yeah, yeah. I just, I, I do. There's, there's serious cover questions for me uh, at this point. And we'll, you know, I'm sure the LSU game is going to make it a lot better for me. It sounds like. <laughs> <laughs> All right, sleepers. Uh, Maddie, who you got? Your sleeper. Right, so I went deep with the sleepers. I got Kyle Murphy. It's an offensive tackle out of Rhode Island. Now, I don't even think he's going to play offensive tackle at the next level. He's only about 6'3", 304 pounds. He's built relatively well, but when you're listed at 6'3", 304 for Rhode Island, you might barely make those numbers. So you're looking probably at an interior guy. But when I was watching him, not the best level of competition, but he moved on such a different level that he was able to fake inside set to help against a defensive tackle and still get outside and block defensive ends up the arc. Like he was able to take his first step on some of his reps was inside setting straight vertical or even inside to help his guard before he slid back up the arc. He was able to mirror from that position, even though he was trailing the rusher by a step, he had the lateral movement to move them up the arc. He had strong hands that he was able to move up the upper bodies of his edge rushers out of his way. I think he'll kick inside just to use that natural leverage a little bit better. I don't know if he has the longest arms and he's definitely a guy you're looking at late in day three. If the chiefs get some picks going on there, but just that lateral mobility, the high IQ that he showed playing that just kind of set as his past sets, the right tackle across from him absolutely was not doing this. It was just something that he was doing I doubt he would be coached to do this. It was just something he started to do because either the guy next to him needed help, he knew he could do it. He just looked really athletic compared to the competition. And like I said, I really liked his IQ picking up stunts, peeling off of his guy when he dropped into coverage. He's just a guy that I would look for late as long as he doesn't completely show up to be a slug at the combine. I think he's a guy to keep your eye on to move inside the NFL level. All right. Craig, sleeper, go. I have about 70 sleepers right now because I, I cover linebackers and all of them are technically sleepers. Um, but here's a guy that the we... Kenneth Murray slander. Yeah. Here's a guy that uh, we almost talked about uh, last week a little bit. Um, he's a cornerback. He doesn't have great long speed. He's short. He's got a little bit of wooden hips, but he's got quick feet. And he's aggressive. He's a fantastic blitzer and he's crazy smart. He is a film junkie. If that sounds like I'm describing Tyron Matthew, 
because this dude reminds me of Tyron Matthews. Uh-oh. John Reed from Penn State. I honestly, when you get into some of these later round guys, guys that maybe aren't going to be you know near the tops of anybody's list that people haven't really talked about, you start getting in a sludge, maybe rot, watching a bunch of guys that aren't good, and then you have one guy that really pops. That's what John Reed was for me. Really surprised me. Didn't know anything about him, and he just looks like Tyron Matthew on the field his the mental game for him is way 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 up there but he does have some athletic and physical limitation much like Tyron Matthew does I know that's hard to translate to the NFL because Tyron Matthew is not a guy who can work for everybody but I would add John Reed just with his capability. Steve Spagnuolo has shown an ability to put smart players on the field and get the most out of them. I've got him as a day three guy. I'd love to add him. I know that the Chiefs don't have a lot of picks there. If he somehow fell just because people are going to look at his long speed and his length and say, that guy can't make it in the NFL, bring him in immediately. I'd love to have him in the room with this group of guys. Well, that is going to do it for episode one, season three, episode one of the AP Draft Show. Thank you guys so much for listening. We will be back with another show next week, uh, next Friday. Make sure to listen to the AP Laboratory Monday and Wednesday before that. Catch you later. Support for this show comes from HubSpot. More to-dos, less time, and an infinite number of tools to keep track of. Doing business has never felt harder. But you don't need a miracle to hit your goals. You just need HubSpot. Because their all-in-one customer platform can make growing your business infinitely easier. Imagine this. High-quality leads, fast-closing deals, wildly happy customers, and more benchmark-breaking quarters. It's not a miracle. It's HubSpot. Visit HubSpot.com to get started today.